All right, everyone, welcome to our Friday night Bible study, Basics for Bible Believers, Part 5. So if you want to get your Bible tonight, we'll uh, go ahead and be in the book of John. And before we get started in the book of John, we'll go to the Lord in a word of prayer and ask, ask God's blessing on the service tonight. John chapter number 13. John chapter 13 and verse number 35. John chapter 13 and verse 35 That's where we'll start tonight. Now we finished up last time, just to give you a bit of a reminder, uh, we finished up last time on Bible believing. Uh, that was our major point we were on and we took some questions after that. Now we've got up to, uh, in our basics for Bible believers, love for the brethren. Alright, so now that you're saved and growing in the Lord, uh, you'll probably start to notice straight away that um, um, when you talk to other people, uh, other people will reveal themselves as being Christians and they will reveal themselves of uh, being religious and things of that nature. And um, you will find that people will try straight out of the gate after you get saved to manipulate you into joining their church or joining their religion because you've shown some initiative. And it's funny, you, you notice the, when you witness or talk about the Lord or going to church or something like that, and you get excited about serving the Lord and, and tell people about being saved. The first thing it is, you may have known them for 20 years, and they've never said anything about being religious or going to church or inviting you to their church. But as soon as you show some interest in Christ and the gospel, they want to immediately steal you away. You say, what is that? That's a work of the devil. And one of the tactics that is used is they overemphasize the, the love for the brethren. And they will tell you uh, that, you know, you don't need to be so harsh, you don't need to do this, you don't need to do that, because it's all about love. It's all about the love. Love, 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 love. And you say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, you, you'll, they'll use that, just like the devil in the world will use, um, and, and say that, when people, when people don't do something they like, when they don't behave the way that they want them to behave, they'll, they'll accuse them of not being loving. And, uh, and so it's overemphasized not only in the world, but it also is picked up in ecumenical churches and religious circles. And they think that you're not a Christian uh, if you don't behave to their standard of, of being airy-fairy, wishy-washy, uh, watered down, don't offend anybody, Christianity. And so um, we want to talk to you about true love for the brethren. And that's something you, you need to know as a Christian. Amen. So many churches have overemphasized this point that we want to speak very clearly. We understand the importance of loving our brother and sister in Christ. Amen. John chapter 13, let's look there. John chapter 13 and verse number 35. Let's not be deceived along with the rest of the world and religious circles. In, and let's let the Bible define what it says when it means to love the brethren. Uh, John chapter 13 and verse 35. One of the probably the most important verse on love for the brethren you can read in all the Bible. John chapter 13 verse 35 it says, By this shall all men, saved or lost, know that ye are my disciples... If ye have love one to another. Very important that you have as a Christian when you get saved. Very important that you have love 
for the brethren. And um, the, the Bible says that, uh, and we'll get to the verse in a moment, um, uh, but here it says, by, by this all men shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. One of the things that stands out to the world is they recognize, uh, saved or lost, when something changes inside of you. When you get saved, um, I have to be honest, when I, when I got saved, I had a lot of hatred in my heart. And some of that still bled over into uh, my saved life. And the devil got a foothold uh, when I first got saved. And I had to get that hatred out. Um, but whenever, whenever I got saved, I had love that I never knew or never had before. And I couldn't explain it. I had joy in my heart. I had love for the brethren. I had love uh, for the lost. Uh, I loved the souls of men. And, and that wasn't there before. Amen. And when you get saved, you have love for the brethren. Uh, look at John chapter 15. John chapter 15 and verse number 12. John chapter 15 and verse 12. The Bible says in John chapter 15 and verse 12, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Amen. That's pretty clear, isn't it? That you love one another, even as I have loved you, Jesus says. And uh, I don't think you can get much clearer than that. Look over at 1 Peter chapter 1. The commandment of the Lord is to love the brethren, love one another. 1 Peter, towards the end of your Bible, past Hebrews, the book of James, 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And verse number 22, the Bible says, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. Amen? Unfeigned, that's not, uh, that feign is, is pretend. It's, it's feigned love, it's not real. When you were lost, you would, you... Uh, you know what the world does? They, the, those young boys and girls will say, I love you. They don't really mean that. Say, so what do they mean? They mean, I lust you. They lust after one another. You know what Hollywood's idea of love is? It's lust. The world's idea is lust. And when they say that they love someone, they love them until, they, until that person does something they don't like. And then they don't love them anymore. Yeah, that's the world's love. Uh, but the Bible says this, Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. When you get saved, God puts the love for the brethren in your heart. You can't explain it. Uh, it's something that's supernatural that's put in your heart. And it says, See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Fervently. Amen. That's feverish. That's fervent. That's, that's hard at it, working hard at it. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Pure love. The love of God, the Bible says, is shed abroad in our hearts uh, by the Holy Ghost. And when you get saved, there's something about it that the Lord puts love down in there. Amen. Now look at 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20. 
1 John chapter 4 and verse 20, the Bible says, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have, I, have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Amen? It's very important that you understand that. Very important. And um, that you take note of that. So you're, you, when you get saved, you say, what do you have inside of your heart? You may not even been able, since you've trusted Christ and got saved, you may not have been able to put your finger on it. But as soon as I start reading these verses and talking to you about it, immediately you say, you know what, preacher, you're right. That is something. That's what the Bible says. There, there is something that was changed inside of my heart. And uh, when, you love, when you love someone, you say, what do you want to do? You want to be around them. Amen. Uh, you want to spend time with them. When you love Jesus Christ, when you love God, you want to spend time with them. When you love the brethren, uh, you can't keep you out of church. You can't keep you away from a Bible study. You can't keep them, uh, the ones that have been changed by Jesus Christ, you can't keep them away from the brethren and showing their love for them. Amen? By whatever means they can, they can, but that pure love, the love of God. And so that being said, that's the biblical um, commandment that we're given. That's the biblical thing that happens when we get saved, the love for the brethren. However, now, here comes the, here comes the, the whole counsel of God. That does not mean that we are to ignore their sins. When you love the brethren... Uh, that doesn't mean that you ignore their sins. That doesn't mean that you ignore their heresy. And that doesn't mean that you ignore their false doctrine. You understand? We are to strive, the Bible says, uh, turn over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And verse 18. Romans chapter 12. In verse 18, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 18, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Live peaceably with all men. So we're to strive to live peaceably with all men, but also to understand when there are disagreements over major issues, there should probably be a parting of the ways. Uh, you say, where do you get that from? Look at Amos chapter 3. Take your Bible there and look at the minor prophets before the book of Matthew. And look at Amos chapter 3. Hold your place in Romans if you want. We'll be right back there. Amos chapter 3 and verse number 3. Amos chapter 3 and verse 3. The Bible says in Amos chapter 3 and verse 3, Can two walk together except they be agreed? Amen. Can two walk together except they be agreed? And so when you um, start looking at this um, living peaceably with all men, uh, you say, what do you do? When you get saved, you come to a Bible-believing church because of where it stands, where it stands, what, what our beliefs are. 
Uh, all of that's laid out uh, in our statement of faith, uh, in our Constitution. We lay that out. We, uh, we, we put that in black and white as is. You know what's funny is people will come along, and um, I've had this happen more times than I can count, uh, being pastor at Open Bible Baptist Church. Uh, people come along, and you say, what happens? They, they love the spirit of the church. They love the, the stand that we take on the King James Bible, and they love uh, the brethren and, and really get in there. And the first thing they want to do, it's sort of like when a foreigner comes into a country and they, they're fleeing uh, a place that is war-torn, that's got its, its strewn with problems, and people have come to us from other churches. They've come to us from all walks of life. And immediately, immediately, and some do it innocently and some do it uh, with malice. Uh, and immediately you say, what do they do? They come in and they want to start changing things. Isn't that, isn't that funny? When somebody comes in foreign and they want to come to Australia, they want to come uh, to America, and they want to make it like where they came from. Now, that's not much logic in that, is it? Uh, there's not much logic in uh, let's, let's change, it, change it to where we came from and we can... Uh, make this place like what we left. Doesn't make any sense, does it? Say, so what are you saying, preacher? Well, we're standing on the Word of God. We're standing on the doctrines of the Bible uh, at Open Bible Baptist Church. And we don't make apology for that. It's clearly laid out in Scripture where we stand, what we believe. You can know and find out exactly what we believe before you ever step foot in the door. We're not ashamed of it at all. Uh, some churches I know, man, they won't post what they believe uh, until you've been in there for a while. Then they'll secretly give you a copy of their constitution or uh, their statement of faith. We post ours online. We put it out there loud and clear so you can see it and read it and know it. But those folks will come in here and they'll say, uh, Pastor, I, I'd like to talk to you about something. I'd like to uh, uh, get, get your thoughts on it. And some are not that polite. Uh, they've, they've come in my office and sat down in my office and they want to they wanna straighten me out and straighten our church out. And you say, what do, what do I tell them? A friend of mine, a, a, a preacher, actually he got the advice from uh, Brother Danny Farley. And, uh, but he was a preacher just starting out. And uh, the advice Brother Farley gave him is he said, you have to rem remind people that they are joining you as a church. They're joining the church. They're joining with you. You are not joining them. You did not seek them out. You did not uh, try, to, try to, to persuade them to come and, and beg them into coming and twist their arm. You say, here's our church. Here's where we stand. We're going forward for Jesus Christ. If you want to get on the train and get on the bandwagon, get on. If not, we can't help you. Um, but you know how arrogant it is to come into a church and say, okay, I don't agree with you on this and let's get you straightened out on this. And a lot of the times that happens even before someone's been coming along for three or six months. Uh, sometimes it happens within the first couple of months. That is the wrong way to go about something. Listen, if you don't agree with them and you think that they're wrong, you can have a conversation about that, but be prepared to leave. Be prepared to go. The Bible says, can two walk together except they be agreed? You say, Pastor, this sounds hard. No, it's not hard at all. It's not hard at all. Uh, you see, when you stand for the truth... Um, we sing the song, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Like a tree planted by the waters, I shall not be moved. We say, sing that. 
And so we have been planted. You know, we haven't changed our doctrine uh, in the 20 years that our church has been founded and been here. We haven't changed it. We don't plan on changing it. You say, why? The Word of God doesn't change. Amen? Amen. And if God gives us some light on it and, and, and we have to make some adjustments, then so be it. But, man, we're not changing. We're not backing down. If anything, we're going to get more hard uh, and, and more staunch on standing for the truth as the, as the time draws near. Amen? Of the Lord's return. And uh, you say, this, this sounds a bit harsh and a bit hard. Uh, no, it's not. Uh, it's not. You say, you don't want a church that uh, is, is changing. And, and uh, you know what Jesus Christ said about John? Uh, he said, what went you out for to see? A, wheat, a reed shaken in the wind? Remember when he said that? You say, what? John was a man. John the Baptist was a man. And he preached straight forward. And he was rough. And he told the truth. Amen? And Jesus, he made the way for Jesus Christ. And uh, when he, Jesus said, what went you out for to see? A reed shaking in the wind? You know what? That can describe some churches and some pastors and some organizations where they're like a reed shaking in the wind. A big money man comes in there, a big moneyed woman comes in there, and you say, what happens? They're willing to just blow with the wind of change. That, that big giver, so they say, a lot of the times the richest people that will come to your church will not be the ones that will give. It'll be the ones that don't make that much, and that money doesn't mean that much to them, and they'll be the ones that will give and look after the needs of the church. Uh, the richer people get, the more they tend to cling and hang on to it. The Bible says it becomes a snare to them. And, and you say, what's a snare? Something you get trapped in, something that gets stuck down in and holds on to you. But, you know, when people are, money doesn't mean anything to them, easy come, easy go. <laughs> and they'll give to the Lord. And, uh, you know, I've seen people bend over backwards trying to please a uh, big money person. You can read about that in the book of James. Uh, and James uh, warns against that, going in and, and saying, you know, to the rich man, uh, let, let this little nothing here be your footstool. Let it not be so in a, a Bible-believing church. Amen. Um, but what I'm getting back to is... We stand on the Word of God, and if that means some people will part ways and go their own way uh, away from that, that's fine. That's fine. That's their prerogative. Um, we want to still stand on the truth and love the truth at uh, Bible-believing church. Look at Romans chapter 16 and verse 17. Romans chapter 16 and verse 17. Romans chapter 16 and verse 17. Romans chapter number 16 and verse 17, sometimes there has to be a parting of the ways. Sometimes there has to be, uh, say, okay, um, if, you don't, uh, if you don't agree with the doctrine our church holds, then, uh, then you can go on. Amen? Romans chapter number 16 and verse 17. And this also goes for you in your personal life. Uh, you get to hanging around with heretics. Uh, the old saying is, birds of a feather flock together. And, and uh, the, the heresy comes in there and the seed gets planted and it may take years to, to, to bring forth fruit of, of heresy in your life, but it could come. The Bible says in Romans chapter 16 and verse 17, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the what? Doctrine which ye have learned... And avoid them. 
said, God's taught you some things. And the Apostle Paul says, you've, been, you've received the right doctrine. And those ones that come in and, and try to throw you off of that doctrine and cause divisions uh, and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, says you're supposed to mark them and avoid them. Mark them and avoid them. The same would apply if you're watching or listening to someone that's not holding the truth and righteousness and they're not doing right. And you find them, uh, you say, what's a good one, good one, good example you can give us, preacher? If you ever find you're listening to somebody, maybe you're watching them online and you've got your King James Bible out there, you know it's the Word of God and you're listening to somebody and say, man, this preacher online, I'm listening to him. I want him to give me something. And the next thing you know, they start quoting what they call the Scripture. But it doesn't read like your King James Bible reads. Maybe it reads like something that's far out there, like, like something says, well, that doesn't, that doesn't sound right. You better test them out. The Bible says, search the Scriptures. The Bible says over in the book of Acts chapter uh, 17, and, and that is it. You say they searched the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. And if he's preaching or she... Well, that's another discussion altogether. But if they're preaching or teaching out of something that's other than the King James Bible, you say, what are you supposed to do? Mark them and avoid them. Amen? Mark them and avoid them. Say, why? You're going to be constantly filtering out things in your Christian life that are not good for you, that are detrimental. You want to get rid of them. Just like you want to get the impurities... Uh, out of that drinking water and you want the best drinking water that's going to be the best for your body, you need to filter out the infirmities. That's what the Apostle Paul is talking about. And he says, mark them and that are caused divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine, the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. God teaches you something in this Bible-believing church and then you go somewhere else or hear somebody talking uh, against that doctrine, you better mark them and you better avoid them. You say, why would Paul give that admonition, that advice? Why would he do that? Because he knows that false doctrine is dangerous. It's dangerous. And the reason that we're talking about this here is because people will, um, you'll hear the term ecumenical, and you'll hear the term non-denominational. Oh, we're just a Bible church around here. Is that right? Listen, uh, John talked about in the book of uh, 2 John, he said, uh, if you come and you don't bring your doctrine, uh, the right doctrine, listen, you wouldn't pick up a bottle of tablets that didn't have a label on it and start putting it down. You better, uh, you say, why are we Baptists? Because it tells people where we stand. We're Bible believers first and Baptists second. Amen? If the Baptists cross the Bible, we'll cross the Baptists. We stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Amen? But now that doesn't mean that we're going to take Baptist off the front because that tells you where we stand. Amen? And we're not ashamed of that. But so many churches, even Baptist churches, you know what they want to do? And they've tossed around, let's get rid of that name Baptist. Why is that? Why is that they would even consider such a thing? Ah, you, you ever heard of a chameleon? They want to blend in. And you take that Baptist down... And the division goes. The division, the walls come down. And all walks of life, all kinds of different people will come in. You see? You see how, you see what they do? That's a trick. Let's take down Presbyterian. Let's take down 
um, um, what's it called, um, Methodist. Let's take down all these names. And you say, they say they're Methodist, I know where they stand. If they say they're Presbyterian, I know where they stand. If they say that they're Orthodox, I know where they stand. Right? And I know, I know where we stand as Bible-believing Baptist. Amen? And don't get rid of the Baptist. That's no good. And so the Bible says here to mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. Paul gives you that admonition as a young Christian uh, to avoid them. Why? It's not good for you. You know what you tell uh, your children? You, you tell them as they are maturing and, and growing up, your physical children, you know what you tell them? Stay away from that person. Stay away from that line of thinking. Don't do this. You raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The same goes for the Apostle Paul. What he's telling you is stay away from some things. Mark them and avoid them. Amen? So when, while the Bible teaches clearly that we should love the brethren, it also teaches clearly that there is a time for separation from some of the brethren. Look at 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy You know that somebody can be saved and know the Lord Jesus Christ truly saved and be involved with sin and false doctrine. Look what 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 3 says. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 3. You know what you'll say? Uh, oh, look, preacher, they're Baptists like we are. You see, and, and you think, oh, that's good. You know, there's over a couple hundred different kinds of flavors of Baptist. And uh, you got uh, hard shell Baptist, primitive Baptist. You got uh, Union Baptist and Southern Baptist and Northern Baptist and Eastern Baptist, I guess. I mean, you got all kinds. And uh, you say, what do you need to be? A Bible-believing Baptist, a King James Bible-believing Baptist to be exact. And, um, but the Bible teaches clearly that we should love the brethren... But it also teaches clearly that there's a time for separation. In um, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 3, the Bible says this, If any man, not just preachers, uh, not, just, uh, um, uh, not just preachers or teachers, but any man. So there can be a man uh, or a woman that's teaching something that's false. And the Bible says here, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine, that word keeps coming up, the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing how much? Nothing. You take, you, you, they overthrow, you, you get a, um, a so-called brother or sister in Christ or a teacher or preacher and they try to overthrow the Trinity... They don't know nothing. Amen? They try to overthrow the pre-tribulation rapture. They don't know anything. You better mark it down. Say why? It goes against the doctrines we learn from the Word of God. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting, about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, 
railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. And so the Bible teaches clearly that there's time for separation from someone that's not teaching and preaching and um, propagating the right doctrine. They can get messed up. And there's a time for separation uh, when it comes to that. Look at John chapter 7. Let's continue on. John chapter 7. And you're going to think within your spirit right now and, and, and even probably within your flesh, well, that doesn't sound very Christian, Pastor. That's what the Bible teaches. Don't let your idea of what Christianity is cloud what the Bible says Christianity is. Amen? You need to let God be true and every man a liar. John chapter number 7 and verse number 24. John chapter 7 and verse 24. The Bible says, Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. And so there's a time for separation. There's a time for judgment. There's a time for judgment. And uh, you say, what do you mean? Well, there's a time where you have to look at something and you have to judge that according. See how it says? Not according to the appearance. But judge righteous judgment. How do you know what's right? The Bible says, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? God tells you what's right and what's wrong. And so you judge according to what God says. Amen? You don't do that as a matter of pride. You don't do that as a matter of thinking that you're better than someone else. That's the Pharisee's attitude. The Pharisee's attitude, they... they would look down their noses at people. They would judge uh, unrighteous judgment. And the Bible says judge righteous judgment. They would judge somebody and they judge Jesus and they said, look at him, he's eating with unwashed hands. Uh, they said, look at him, he's keeping company with publicans and with sinners. And he, he ate with, with Simon the leper there and he says, if he knew, he thought in his heart, he said, if he knew what manner of woman that was, he wouldn't let her touch him. And see, they judged after the appearance. But the Bible says judge righteous judgment. And you, you judge according to what the Bible says. And when somebody says, uh, hey, come on over and, and go to my church. They have this new worship team. And there's, there's two men up there and two women up there. And, and man, they really jam out for Jesus. You ought to have some alarm bells going off. You say, why? The Bible says there in the Old Testament that our rock is not as their rock. Our rock is Jesus Christ. And you say, what do, what do they cling to? They got the rock and roll from the world. And they put on a concert. Uh, somebody said, uh, you know, not hill song, but hell song. And uh, you say, why? The, the God of this world, and the Bible says in the book of James chapter 3... The music of this world and the God of this world, it says that the music, the spirit behind it, is earthly, sensual, and devilish. 
in the last days, in 1 Timothy 4, it says there's going to be seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So what happens? That, that spirit, that wrong music comes in there, it's seducing. It's sensual. God's music is not seductive and it's not sensual. One little girl, a Christian young lady, nine, nine years old, sitting in her dad's car. Her and him were driving down the motorway and he was flipping through the channels and came across something there and he left it just for a second to hear it. In just a few moments, the woman was singing on there and the little girl, nine years old, had discernment from the back and she leaned up between the seats and said, Dad, it sounds like that girl is singing to her boyfriend and not to God. Ah... You say, what is that? That's righteous judgment. And the Bible says, out of the mouth of babes thou hast perfected praise. And so if you get that music and it's set on the course and, and, and it's earthly from this world, you know it's not the right kind. You know it's not the right kind. But that's a different lesson, a different thing there. But you judge righteous judgment. You say, they say, come over and, and listen to our worship team. And 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 it says, it's, we're not stuffy like other churches. And you go there or, or you, you tune in. You say, what do you see? It looks like a nightclub. The lights are turned down real dark and real low. And the stage is lit up with multicolored lights. And you got somebody there. Where's the pulpit? No pulpit. Just a, tie, a high bar stool there. And, and uh, a, little, a little table there. A tall table. And they'll sit up on that. And they want to make you feel comfortable like you're in the club somewhere. And it makes God sick. Say, why? And you take this Bible and you say, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You go into a place where the lights are turned down low, you, you better watch out. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You know what happens in a movie theater when the lights go out? All manner of wickedness. And I won't even get into it and talk to you about it. But wicked things. Say, why? Darkness. When you get saved, light. The light of the Lord comes in. And He's the light of men in John chapter 1. And the Bible says, Whatsoever make, uh, makes manifest is light and truth. Darkness is, is shown by mistruth, uh, by, by, by false doctrine. And you don't want that. Amen? And you judge righteous judgment. You want to go to a place where they got the lights turned on. <laughs> Just righteous judgment. Amen? Amen. Now, you, you, you judge righteous judgment, and somebody says to you, you know, well, well, you know, this place just makes me feel good. This church, this hypothetical church they're inviting you to. And this just makes me feel good. Where did it ever say you had to feel good to go to church and feel good uh, to obey God? Amen? doesn't say that in the Bible. And so people have given themselves over to go to a place and participate in a place where they admit makes them feel good. You say, where's the preaching? Oh, they might come on there and deliver a little sermonette uh, for Christianettes. Real sweet, you know. And you say, how long has it been? How long does it go for? 30 minutes? 40? Usually about 5 or 10 minutes. You say, why? That's all they can handle of sitting still where there's not rock and roll music blaring down. And they can't, they can't handle That's their attention span. And so that's it. They get one point, if even that... And it's all wishy-washy. Say, why? If they preached on doctrine and told the truth, their congregation would walk out the door because it wouldn't make them feel good. Uh-huh. 
So you judge righteous judgment in John chapter 7, verse 24. And then you have sometimes, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, you have um, spiritual discipline. Spiritual discipline, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. See, all of these things, um, all of these things are taught in the Bible that there's times for this with the brethren. There's a time that, that you show love, but you say what? Love is in judgment. Amen? Love is in separation. Love is for spiritual and church discipline. There's love in that. There's no love on patting someone on the back when they're on the way to hell. That's not love. That's not love. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 1, It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication is not so much name as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged, righteous judgment, already... Say what? There's a fellow there that, that was shacking up with his father's wife, his stepmother. And even, even less of a crime than that, less of a sin than that, um, you say, what is that? Just fornication in general. Fornication is forbidden. Uh, that's, that's being together with that, with that partner outside of marriage, and that's not what you want. That's not what you want, not according to the Bible. Verse 3, For I verily as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already, as though I were present concerning him that has done this deed, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together in my spirit and with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. And so the Apostle Paul's instruction was righteous judgment and separation. Say why? A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And if one is allowed to carry on in fornication and committing fornication, that will spread like it'll it'll spread like the Bible describes as leprosy, and it'll spread. Sin spreads, and the Bible says that's forbidden. That's forbidden. And you know what the world will say, and you know what your flesh will say. Well, that does just doesn't seem Christian to put somebody out of the church. Maybe they're hurting. Maybe they're this and that. Well. You see, you're not putting them out. They're putting themselves out by their own actions. Just like God doesn't put people in hell. See, what do they do? God gives them a choice. God made the sacrifice through His Son. He gave the gift. Those that reject it choose to go to hell. Those that are committing fornication are choosing their fornication over the church and over righteousness. And I've had to put people out of church before. Uh, meet with the men. I've had to talk to the men and... Uh, and the leadership of the church and have to, had to ask some people to leave before because of that. And you know what they said? Well, this isn't showing the love of Christ. This isn't showing love. It is. It is showing love. And we'll get to that in a minute. I'll show you some more scripture on that. Don't let the world tell you what love is. And don't let the world tell you that you should love the brethren. Uh, you, can, you can still love... Listen... Those people that I asked to leave because they were doing wrong, they, I still love them. But the way that they wanted me to express the love was different than what the Bible told me to express the love. You understand? Love in the Bible is, is not 
determined by Hollywood. Love in the Bible is not determined by your flesh. Love in the Bible is determined by God. Amen? And we'll, we'll see some more of that. So in these last days, we are told by liberals and others that we ought to lay aside our differences in order to get along with those who differ with us in doctrine. However, God never tells us to compromise the Word of God in order to get along. Never do we compromise on the Word of God to get along. We can love someone without agreeing with them and without uh, comforting them in their sin that they're doing wrong and saying, it's okay. You know what some churches do? Oh, that, that old church, they put you out over there at Open Bible for committing fornication. You come in here, we'll love on you and we'll receive you. Mm. You see, that's not right. It's not right. That's not the love of God. So we can love someone without agreeing with them, but that does not mean that we can side, uh, work side by side with them. Sound doctrine divides. Amen? What's sound doctrine? Don't commit fornication. Don't sin. Don't do that wrong, uh, the Bible says. And it divides. Look at Acts chapter number 14. Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter number 14 and verse 1. Acts chapter 14 and verse 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews, and so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. Verse 2 but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. Long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Verse 4, but the multitude of the city was divided and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. So, you have what the Bible describes in verse uh, number 2, the unbelieving Jews, lost people. Amen? You know what a division is? Saved and lost. Sheep and goats. Amen? There's a difference. And the Bible says in verse 4, but the multitude of the city was divided. And what happened? Part held with the Jews and part held with the apostles. The apostles were the Christians, according to Acts chapter 11 and verse 26. And they were preaching right doctrine. The Jews came along with their false doctrine and in their lost condition. And you say, what happened? It caused division. So that you will never read in the Bible that the Apostle Paul or the brethren or the apostles, they gave way and said, okay, we'll meet you in the middle somewhere and, and we will do this and we will do that to compromise the Word of God. They said, no, if division comes, it comes. Sometimes division is necessary. It's necessary. And a lot of people don't like when you talk like this and, and like when you speak like this. That's why they want the ecumenical. That's why they want um, the non-denominational. Don't talk about doctrine. Why? Doctrine divides. Doctrine divides. But that's not a bad thing. Look at Luke chapter 12. Look what Jesus said. Luke chapter 12. 
Some of you may be tempted to get discouraged in your newfound faith in Christ because you feel like it alienates you. Yes, it does at times. But Jesus Christ prophesied it and said it would be this way. When you stand on the truth, if all of your family was orthodox and you got saved out of that orthodoxy, or you got saved out of Catholicism, or you got saved out of the Anglican, or you got saved uh, out of, and just go on down the list. You were in those places your whole life and lost. But then you got saved. And you say, what happened? Jesus Christ came in your heart. He saved you a sinner. And He lives within. The Holy Spirit lives within. And you say, what happens? You start following the doctrine that led you to your salvation. And you start embracing the Word of God. And the division will start to grow and the division will start to happen. You say, where? Look at Luke chapter 12. When Jesus Christ comes in, Luke chapter 12 and verse 49, this is what happens. And this is what he prophesied. Luke chapter 12 and verse 49. He said, I am come to send, what? Fire on the earth. And what will I if it be already kindled? But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straightened till I accomplish it? That's his baptism of suffering. Suppose ye, he said, here's your supposition. Here's the flesh's supposition. Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on the earth. You know what the world says? Jesus Christ came to bring peace. Isn't that what you hear? You know, what the, you know what the Bible says the Antichrist is going to say? Peace, peace. He's going to be a man of peace. You know what the Pope has been praying for for over 1,500 years? Peace, world peace, peace. Listen, if you don't get a prayer request answered in 1,500 years, you probably ought to give it up. Say, why? Jesus said, I don't pray for the world. He didn't pray for world peace. Here's what he says. He said, suppose ye that I am come to give peace on the earth, on earth, I tell you, nay, no, but rather division. You get it? You got that? For from henceforth there shall be five and one house divided, three against two, and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son, and the son against the father, and the mother against the daughter. And the daughter against the mother. The mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law. You didn't have to have the Bible to tell you that, did you? (laughs) And the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. So what happened? Division. Division. You say, why? Jesus Christ comes in and he sins. He said, I'm come to give peace on the earth. I tell you nay, but rather division. You say, why? He gives you the truth. And he said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. When God sets you free in salvation in His Son, Jesus Christ, when you escape from that and you're standing on the outside of the cell and those lost people are still in bondage to sin and to the devil and they're still in His clutches, they look at you and they look out at you in your freedom because God gave it to you. He set you free. He made you free. They look at you and you say, what is it? Envy, strife, division comes. Not that you look to embrace that. Not that you desire that. But when you stand where Christ stands, 
division comes. Division comes. And the Bible says there uh, that, that they're going to be divided up. Division and trouble there. Amen? Look at John chapter number 8. John chapter 8. John chapter number 8. good for some of you younger ones to get this. You say, why? Your flesh will deceive you. Your flesh will come in there and tell you, oh, this just doesn't seem right. You better check that flesh out and you better check that spirit out that's telling you that. You'll see some things happen in a Bible-believing church. You'll hear me get up in that pulpit sometimes and preach and you will misjudge my, my, what I'm saying because I'm saying something that's true and it's honest and it's to the point. And you'll say, that doesn't sound very loving. Your flesh shall be telling you that. Not the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God say, yeah, give us more. That's right, preacher. Amen. Hallelujah. But that old flesh will creep up and say, he's not very kind, is he? He's not very loving. He's being an ogre. He's being a bear. How dare him talk like that to me? And that flesh will raise up and say, can you believe he's speaking to your... He, he said that about your friends and your family. If what he's saying is true, grandma was lost. Grandpa was lost in the orthodoxy, in the Catholicism, in the Anglican. Listen, I don't know if they were saved or lost. Those loved ones you have, some of them are passed on, some of them are still alive. I know this. The Bible says, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. The Bible says, unless you trust the Lord Jesus Christ, unless you come to him by faith bar religion, get rid of religion, and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that means that you're not saved and you're going to go to hell if you have never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. If your grandparents are trusting in religion and good works and they've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ in truth and in sincerity, the Bible says that they're damned, not me. That's what the Bible teaches and that's what the Bible says. So you can get mad at me if you want to, but you have to take it up with God and His Word. I've had people get mad at me. Say, so you're saying that my grandparents are this person? I said, I'm not saying, I don't know your grandparents. I don't know them. I'm saying this, that if a sinner has not trusted Jesus Christ, if they've never been born again, if they've never been saved, they're doomed for hell, according to the Bible. And I've had people get fighting mad with me and angry with me about that. But I can't not tell the truth. I can't back down from the Bible and compromise the Word of God to make someone feel better about where their ancestors are? No. I have to tell the truth. And you have to tell the truth. And you say, what will that bring? Division. Division. I've had to stand at, at funerals with my family. And the person they're burying is dead. But man, they lived a life of sin and wickedness. And they never trusted Jesus Christ. And they say, what do you think? Preacher, you, you, what do you think? Uh, cousin, what do you think? You think that uh, they're in a better place? And I'm sitting there saying, you, and I've told them this. I said, you probably don't want to know what I think about it. And they said, oh no, we do, we do. And I said, well, according to the Bible, they're in hell right now burning. They had no profession of faith in Jesus Christ. They rejected God. They spit in God's face. They openly mocked God. According to their testimony, if I had to take a, an educated guess based on their life and based on their own testimony, they're burning in hell right now. And you talking about upsetting the family. You talking about causing division. 
They asked me. They pushed me. And you have to tell the truth. Amen. And uh, what do we say? John 8, chapter 8, and verse number 45. You say, why? That lines you up with your Savior. He says, and because I tell you, John eight forty five, Jesus said, and because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Say, so what were they doing? Jesus was telling them that he was of God. He was telling them the truth. They called him a liar. They, they called him a liar. And, um, and look at verse 41. Um, actually, just back, back up a little bit. Um, no, we won't, we won't turn there. It's too far to go into. But um, verse 41, you can look at it. It says, You do the deeds of your father. They said unto him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. And verse 42, Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Jesus is telling them the truth, isn't he? And you say, what they do? They, he says, verse 43, Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? Ye are of your father, the devil. And um, he, they were calling him a liar, and he said, No, you guys are liars. And he said, You're of your father, the devil, and he is the father of lies. He is the father of, he's a liar, and when he speaketh his own, uh, he, for he is a liar and father of it, verse 44. And so Jesus Christ, you say, what did he do? He made enemies with the truth. Look at Galatians chapter 4, verse 16. Galatians chapter 4. Listen, you don't have to shout the truth and, and scream the truth to offend someone. You can whisper the truth and it has just as much power. But I don't know what it is, but the world, the lost people, they will try to twist your arm, as, if you will, to, to, get, to bend to their will. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 16. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 16. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 16. He says there, Galatians 4, 16. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? That's where that division comes from. And telling the truth will bring enemies, will bring enemies. And loving, uh, lovingly so, you, you, you may be trying to tell somebody the truth. You say, why did Paul tell these people the truth? Because he hated them. Why did Jesus Christ tell them the truth over in John 8 and all the way through? Why did he tell them the truth? Because he loved them. Because he loved them. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And He loved them and He gave them the truth. Now they rejected the truth because men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. But in Galatians 4.16, you see there what Paul said. He said, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? As a matter of fact, if you want to make enemies, just tell the truth. You can whisper the truth. People will come to you and say, uh, Brother, sister, even Christians, the brethren... They'll say, brother, sister, what do you think about this? They really don't care what you think, to be honest with you, if you want to be real honest about it. They just want to see if you will join their side of what they already believe and are convinced of. And they want to see if they can recruit you to their line of thinking. And when you stand up and say, what you're thinking is wrong according to the Bible, that's against the Word of God, against what we've been taught. And when you say that, they'll, they'll accuse you of being against them. They'll accuse you of being a gossip. They'll accuse you of all kinds of sin. 
And the Bible says the Apostle Paul said it right when he said, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? You asked me for the truth. You expect of me the truth. You came to me and wanted the truth just like they did with my family. They came to me and wanted the truth. I gave it to them. Then after that, I became their enemy. Division came. But you see, the world doesn't recognize that as love. If you love somebody, tell the truth. Tell the truth. Amen. And you say, what's the balance? Let's look at some balance here. We've got a few minutes left. Ephesians chapter 4. You're in Galatians? Look at Ephesians chapter 4. You say, preacher, are you just supposed to go around and... and no, the Bible, the Bible says here in Ephesians chapter 4... Bear with me just a minute. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 15. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 15. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15, But, now this is the balanced church, amen, but speaking the truth in what? In love may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Amen? And that's what you want. You want to be able to speak the truth in love. You know how you can speak to someone. Uh, you can say it one of two ways. Uh, you can explain to them the position of the Word of God. You can try to become uh, helpful in your explanation. Or you can just throw it down there. You know what? My wife, I can tell when she prepares a meal with love... Uh, or just because she has to and she's got to get something on the table and, and she just puts it down there and like, black, take it or leave it. No, I can tell when she puts some love into that and she prepares that food. The, the Bible said about Solomon over there in the book of Ecclesiastes, he sought out acceptable words, even words of truth. He sought out the right words, the right way to put it. Amen. And he was careful about how he, he spoke to someone. You know, you can pick your time as well. Um, you can ask somebody, can we meet up at a certain time and talk about this in private? Can we, and you can say it in a certain way. You say, why? You get in a crowd, and only by pride cometh contention. You start having a conversation. The Bible says, debate thy cause with thy neighbor or thyself alone. You get more than two or three people in a room, and you start discussing something, that pride will creep in, and it will cause confusion and, and contention. Whereas if it was just the two of you, your spirit can come across easier, and you can... You can judge a lot easier and talk to him a lot easier. But the Bible says, speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things. Amen? Uh, speaking the truth in love. And it's supposed to be a balance. It's supposed to be a balance uh, when, we, when we love the brethren. Uh, look at uh, 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 18. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 18. Go, if you'll bear with me a few moments, I'm just about done with the lesson. And uh, we'll finish up with the love for the brethren. Ephesians chapter, sorry, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 18. When you have this balance, this love that you have for the brethren, you say, where does the love reside? It resides in truth. It resides in truth. The Bible says over there, speaking the truth in love. Amen. They go hand in hand, hand in hand with one another. They work in unison. 
1 John chapter 3 and verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Amen. He said, don't let your love be feigned. Let it be pure love. Amen. The right kind of love. And make sure that the, the words that you're speaking match up with the deeds that you're doing. I've had some people tell me, oh, I love you, but they're, they're chopping me up behind my back and talking about me, but eating me up to my face. And I knew they were talking about me. You say, what'd you do? I just smiled at them and loved them anyway, but they weren't doing it according to truth. You see, the Bible says when you love, let it be in truth. And let it be in deed and in truth. Uh, you're in 1 John 3. Look at 2 John 1. Over a couple pages to your right. 2 John chapter 1. And verse 1. The Bible says, The elder unto the elect lady and her children whom I love. How? In the truth. Amen. The love that you have for the brethren, the love for the brethren, is in the truth. Love in the truth. And not I only, but also they that have known the truth. When somebody knows the truth, they recognize truth, and they recognize pure love and the right love. Uh, if, it's not, if it's just lip service, most people can, can, are able to see through that. And it says, not only I, but also they that have known the truth. Verse 2, for the truth's sake which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever. Verse 3, grace be with you, mercy and peace from God our, the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. There it is again, those two things together. Speaking the truth in love. That's the Bible love. That's the love that will last for eternal and forever, according to verse 2. That's in us. That's the right kind of love, one that bonds us together in truth. Amen? Keep reading. Verse 4, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. There's that truth. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. Walk in the truth and walk in love. Amen. Look at 3 John chapter 1 and verse 1. We'll see it again. 3 John chapter 1 and verse 1. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love how? In the truth. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 6 and we'll be finished. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I know I'm a few minutes over. Bear with me. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 and verse 6. The Bible says, Now you understand that um, the King James doesn't change the word charity uh, to love because Charity is a stronger word than love. It's really love in action. Isn't that what we've been reading in 1 John? That love in truth and love in deed, love in action, isn't that charity? Isn't that what it's supposed to be? 1 John chapter, I'm uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 6. Uh, this, the, the, the context is, uh, look at verse number 
3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity. That's the context. It profiteth me nothing. Verse 4, charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Charity doth not behave itself unseemly, does, that seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Here's charity. Here's love in action. Here's love in deed. Rejoiceth not in what? Iniquity. But rejoiceth in the truth. Amen. That is true love and love of the brethren. When we love in truth and according to truth. Amen. All right. We'll stop right there for tonight. I've got a few questions for you before we dismiss. And I'll give those to you now. The first question. Which passage in the Bible teaches that if you love God and hate your brother, you are a liar? Which passage? Which passage teaches that if you love God, which Bible verse teaches if you love God and hate your brother, you are a liar? One of the first ones we went to. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20. Amen. Number two, should we as Christians ignore false doctrine? Should we as Christians ignore false doctrine? Yes or no? And of course you know the answer to that one. Should we ignore false doctrine? No, we should not ignore it. Number three, what are we to do to those who cause divisions according to Romans chapter 16 and verse 17? What are we to do to those who cause divisions according to Romans chapter 16 and verse 17? We've got two things in that verse. You say, what is that? Mark them and avoid them. Mark them and avoid them. Number four. Should we ever withdraw from other believers? Should we ever withdraw from other believers? Should we do that? Yes, we should. There's times where we have to withdraw from them. And that's in 1 Corinthians. Um, well, we won't, we won't give you a reference there, but yes, we should. Should a Christian ever judge? Should a Christian ever judge? Yes, we should. We looked at that. And uh, John chapter number 7 and verse 24, we looked at that reference. Name one passage in the Bible which teaches there is a time to practice church discipline where you put someone out of the church for their conduct. We, we covered that. That's 1 Corinthians Chapter number five. All right, number seven. Does God ever expect us to compromise to get along with others? Does God ever expect us to compromise to get along with others? And when I say that, I mean not within the church, but uh, outside in the world as far as doctrine is concerned. Do we compromise on sound doctrine? To get along with others. We saw that in Acts chapter 14 and verse 4. No, we don't. 
And I'll encourage you to memorize John chapter 13 and verse number 35. And that'll be it for tonight's lesson. We thank you for joining us and pray that it's been a blessing to you. Let's be dismissed now with a word of prayer.